This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, early third period, 3-3. Rowan, Naranda, and Guelph Memorial Cup semifinal. We'll keep you updated. The Edmonton Stingers just tipping off against Guelph at the Expo Centre Canadian Elite Basketball League. Stingers 1-2 and two to start the season. Guelph coming in at 2-1. and one. Padres and Blue Jays 3-3 in the 7th. Prospects tomorrow at 7 o'clock at REMAX Field taking on Lethbridge. First game of the season for the prospects. Uh, we will... I. I I said we'd have him on before 7. Well, I promise we'll have him on before 8. The uh, coach of the team, former general manager, now he's uh, gone into the coach's role, Jordan Blundell, is going to check in. Reed Wilkins with you. Cam Moon in from uh, Red Deer, play-by-play voice of the Rebels and a popular and frequent guest here on the show. Thanks again for coming up. No problem at all. Oh, let's turn your mic on. There. There we go. No problem at all. With a mic that works. Yeah, sure. Uh, Brian says, Cam, are you related to anyone by the name of Moon up by Chair Hill? I do not believe so. We had to look where that is on the map. Yeah, I didn't know where it was. <laughs> and I grew up in Alberta, as did you. As, and it's not that far from where I grew up. It'd no, probably be, it's close to you. It's northeast of uh, Evansburg, just uh, east of Sangudo is where Chair Hill is. Yeah, it's on the high, if you're going to Grand Prairie, right? You drive through it's there. It's on 43. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's on 43. So unfortunately, Brian, no relations for no, Cam. That I know of. Uh, Richard says, awesome interview with Terry Crisp. I didn't know that he played hockey, love hockey history, while Zach and Lloyd Minster says, and I'm glad Zach called me on this because I should have I mentioned this and had this. Uh, hey, Reed, you forgot to mention Terry Crisp, two cups with the Flyers as a player. Yes, I mentioned his cup coaching the Flames. Yes. But so he played, so he, he told the story. He was with the Bruins uh, mid-60s into the late 60s. It's hard to make that team, gets claimed yeah. by the Blues, and then wound up with the Flyers. And two Stanley Cups with the Broad Street Bullies, and that was that was some team. Wow! And he sang at the end of the interview. Which well, he's nice Terry surprise. Crisp. He's Terry Crisp. He Guy's unbelievable. He, he can do what he wants. Uh, and Mark texting in, he goes, "I'm not entirely sold on this Dave Tippett rumor. It seems like a pretty ho hum choice that doesn't really spark anything. Why not someone like Dan Bilesma? He had a really good run in Pittsburgh, coached a pair of superstars in Crosby and Malkin. The Buffalo thing didn't work out because the whole organization was a tire fire. But maybe it doesn't even matter who the coach is because the Oilers organization is a tire fire as well. That is from Mark hmm. texting six thirty six thirty. Well, they've been bad. There's no doubt about that. Sure. Uh, I hope they make a good hire. Yeah, I mean, I hope they make a good hire and, and, he, and he does a good job. I, I mean, look, my view with the... Here, here's the thing, and I talk to Oilers fans all the time, and I understand why you're beating down why you're beaten down as Oilers fans, and I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be pessimistic because I can't control how you feel, and I know what you've been through with the team. Um, but in general in pro sports any level of sports, 
there's not only one person who can do the job. It's a guy at the right time with the right combination of players, assistants, and all that kind of stuff. And how they mesh with the yeah. with the current team. And one guy might be a great fit with that group of players, and another guy might may not. Doesn't mean they're a good coach or a bad coach, but hopefully they get the right mix so that things improve. And I don't think, uh, well, I mean, I talked about this a lot, talked about it with Rob. I mean, yeah, you can criticize Hitch, you could criticize Todd. I don't think coaching was issue number one for the Oilers. I don't think it was in the top ten of the problems the team had no, last probably year. probably not. The coaches have changed over the years, and some things have stayed the same, so it would lead you to believe that's not the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Tippett, I, I, will, I will say this tomorrow, and he threw out Dan Bilesma. I mean, hey, if it was if it was Dan Bilesma being rumored, we have we'd probably have people texting in saying, "Oh, yeah, well, you're <laughs> right." They don't like Dan Bilesma. I, I I will say this: I, I'm a fan of experience, more of a fan as I've gotten older. Yeah. <laughs> but but here here's the thing: if the the Oilers are going to hire somebody, if they hire Todd Nelson, Chris Knobloch, Lane Lambert, whoever, and they start three six and one, as oh no. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got, and we got this guy for four years behind the bench. It's going to be an Aikens type situation. Yeah. If you hire Dave Tippett and you start poorly, certainly the fans are not going to be happy. But maybe there's a little bit more calmness, if not in the fan base within the organization, with Tippett at the helm. I would think so. So that would be, you know what, fair fair comment by Mark. I'm not saying this to be argumentative with them. Just maybe presenting some, you know, alternate ways yeah, to look at. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the the guy with experience is going to get a little more leash for sure. And we already have somebody texting in. I'm not a big Tippett fan, but I would take Tippett over Bilesma any day. So, and they got to want the job, and they got to be. I mean, somebody came up to me today and said, "Well, they're not getting the best guy." And I said, "Well, who's the best guy?" Well, Vino. So if somebody else, somebody else, I don't wanted Vino. All right, go, oh, on and on you go. Well, I, yeah, I mean, there's you can make an argument probably for a lot of guys, but the general manager is going to have, I would think, some uh, some pretty good intuition which way they want to go, and. That's that's his call. That's his gig right now. So try and find the best guy that that he likes, and we'll go from there. That, there's really not more you can do. Like you can throw out a million different names. Do you? But, were you listening earlier when I was talking about an offensive or a defensive coach? No, I, I heard the I heard Morley, and then so, okay, uh, yeah. so you missed off the off the yeah. top because I know and I, and I get it. Well, uh, you know, Tippett's a defensive coach, and and people have said that about Hitch too, but. You know, hockey is such a fluid game. I think most intelligent coaches are going to be yeah. more concerned about the structure when you don't have the puck. Absolutely. So if you're you, you're probably going to spend more time in practice on getting the puck back. Yes. And then once you get it, just go. Then yeah. you got to have the talent to go. So I I, True. I I don't know if I don't know if I. See, I, I've kind of moved away from that when I talk about hockey. Is saying, well, this guy's a defensive coach. Every coach. They all are. <laughs> By nature, they are. Because that's the one thing that you can, as a coach, you can really help change is how you defend. And if you defend well, you're going to get the puck. And if you have the puck more, the chances are you can score more. I, that's the first thing you're going to look to tighten up is the way you play in your own end, the way you play without it, uh, the way, yeah, you defend throughout, the, not just in your own end, but throughout the ice when you don't have it. Because you want to get it back as soon as you can. So I would say that's that's fair to say of all of them. I mean, nobody's going in there going, yeah, well, well we won't worry about the defense much. We're just going to run and gun. Well, we never see that anymore. It's just not the way it is. So, yeah, I, whether he's defense, like, that, yeah, I think that's a 
unfair term to put on a coach's head because by nature they all are why wouldn't they be most of the time you've been doing red deer rebels play-by-play you've had that uh, young sutter kid as the head coach (laughs) he's got some potential as a coach that's right yeah he's (laughs) he's cranked out a couple of victories yes he has uh have you seen him evolve change over the last couple of decades that you know him and and if so how oh definitely uh yeah his he has changed i would say a, a fair bit and how i would say when he first came to the Rebels, and he had just finished a NHL career, 17 or 18 seasons with the, the New York Islanders and then the Chicago Blackhawks, I, I would say Brent was uh, more of a taskmaster. Is that the... Uh so is that, is that the a, politically yeah, correct? Yeah, probably a polite way to put it. Yeah, because I think you all know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was definitely yeah, a, a tougher cookie, I think, early on in his, his WHL coaching career. Although, I mean, the players have changed too. Because I don't think that that uh, way is going to work quite the same as it would now. And he has definitely evolved. And then when he went to the National Hockey League, uh, first with the New Jersey Devils for a couple of years right. and then the Calgary Flames for three, uh, I, I think, yeah, he had, uh, had come back, you know, a different coach for sure. You're always going to be changing, whether you're a coach or whatever yeah, business you're in, whatever it is that you do, you're always learning and, and getting better. And I think Brent has, has done that and gone with the times really well. And, yeah, the way uh, the team, you know, we're the Rebels were... It's funny, people would say the same thing about Brent, very defensive coach. The teams have always been really good defensively. They have, but the year the Rebels won the Memorial Cup, they also scored the most goals in the league. You right. know, So say what you want, the, the team took care of its own end pretty good, but then they would have the puck a lot, right. and they had a lot of talent then, so they could score a lot. Well, which, New uh, I mean, New Jersey won, what, the three cups? Yeah. What was it, the old one team, I think, was, did they win that year? Boy, we're getting old. Yeah. It's all blends together. It's all blends One together. of their cup champions, they were second in goals for. I mean, I've interviewed yeah. guys off that team, and they're, well, like, exactly. they're like, we're sick of people saying we we're defensive specialists. Yeah. Like, we could finish. Like, we, you know, because... Everybody was still, but but at that point, everybody was still... Uh, and a had, team gets labeled a Yeah, way. that 95 team, let's, like, that was a batten down the hatches type sure. of club and would bore you to death. So, that, and people were, were still thinking of that. Yeah, as the New Jersey Devils for quite a while after. Yeah, but but coaches will always in in hockey they'll they'll always emphasize defense because you, you got a goaltender and you keep the shots against down because look you you allow two or less any coach will yeah. take that every night. Yeah, for sure. Or, they, or two every game they're going to say okay I'll roll the dice we're going to allow two every game well we're going to allow 164 goals exactly. Well, and it's it's coachable. Defense is definitely coachable if you have. You know, players that uh, maybe not quite at the the talent level of of your opposition. If you're really solid defensively, you're going to have an opportunity in that game, and it is a very uh, teachable t- uh, skill for sure. Whereas the the skill to score goals, I mean, you can you can teach to get that opportunity, but it's really difficult to 
to teach offense like you can teach defense. New Jersey was 2000, Richard texting in. Ah, yes. We were off by a year. Thanks, Richard. It, we're close. It is weird. Like, when I, was, when I was younger and I would hear, you know, not that you and I are old, but we're getting more seasoned. <laughs> My pants are we're, starting to we're, creep we're, up. Yeah. Like, they're starting to get we're, high. We're the definition of middle-aged where, where <laughs> we are. And, like, I used to be like, how can you forget the year? And now it's like, you know, things do blend together. I knew, New Jersey was really good for a while. <laughs> Sometimes I'm off by a year or two when I'm trying to remember stuff. Cam Moon is in studio. Okay, so, man, we got a lot to cover. Uh, the Memorial Cup, or, oh, 4-3. I missed yeah, the yeah. goal. Ruin Naranda scored. 4-3. Huskies up on Guelph uh, halfway through the third period. All right, so the Memorial Cup is uh, a great tournament. Oh, yes, it is. But, look. I know it's tough. So th- the host team gets in. Yes. When, when they see, I, I, you have to do that. I know you have, you have to. Do to. It. From a business point of view, you have to you do have, it. And otherwise, the host nobody's team coming. make sure they're quite good. And, and they this, have been, and yes, and many times the host team has won their league, or Is come really close. Many or no, probably not many times. But I mean, this year Halifax went to Game Six of the league final. Right. What more can you ask of a host team? Well, to win their league, I guess. <laughs> But, I mean, they give it a pretty good go. They're yeah. definitely good enough to be there. So, your theory on... Because, like, PA was awesome. Yeah, they had a great they, year. What were they, 22-1 and one to start the yeah. year? 24-1? It was be, obscene. Yeah, the one was to Red Deer. Right. Yeah. The Oil Kings took him to six. So, good year for the Oil Kings I thought, in the East Final. I thought the Oil Kings played very well in that series. So how does PA go to this and what the last, where are we at now, the last four champions? Go to the Memorial Cup yeah. and not even win a game. Well, Forget I, about getting to the final or whatever, like not even win a game. What's going on? I, I think it's a combination it's of some things. No, no, it's not a one-off. And it could change. It's cyclical. It's junior hockey. We could be spouting off something different five or six years from now. Who knows? But, you know, I, I do think the WHL has too many teams. So I, I think that that might be a bit of a contributing factor. So what are you up to now? Twenty-two. Yeah. Uh, Hugh has eighteen. I want to say they have twenty, but I'd have to. It's twenty for sure in the O. In the O, right? Because in the Q, almost everybody makes the playoffs. Yeah, and they, they go one to they sixteen. A couple of last places. Yeah, maybe yeah. it is. Eight. They go one to sixteen right. on the playoffs. Okay, team. so it's sorry, crazy. I cut you off though. No, no, no. I and I think, I think that, uh, you know, they. Lately, yeah, it, it looks like the leagues will just spread a little thin. I know I'll, I'll give Prince Albert credit, like that, and it was a great WHL championship, and they were definitely deserving of of winning it, and they should celebrate it. And I know they did yesterday in Prince Albert, of which that community rallied behind that team, it just in amazing fashion. Uh, it's it's tough when you you win the league championship, you go to a tournament, and you're out of it in three games. I thought the first game. They really, they didn't have much of a chance. They just finished game seven on Monday. They flew across the country on Wednesday, and then they're playing the host team on the Friday. Mm-hmm. It wasn't set up for them to have success. And I didn't think they played well in that game either, but I guess that's not surprising given the circumstances. And they lost. But I thought they were really good in game two against uh, Rouen. And that game was 3-3, and it could have went either way. Except Rouen scores on their chances in the third period. Prince Albert didn't. But if you looked at chances generated in the game, I thought they were pretty equal. And then with Guelph, it was close. And Guelph pulled away at the end. But I thought Guelph absolutely deserved that victory. And they just looked like the better team. And, I mean, they got 11 guys that are either NHL drafted or signed. 
that's a pretty deep yeah. squad. The the Rouen team, like that team, not a lot of guys via trade. Like that's a homegrown club. Most of the teams, when you're when you're a good club in your league, you're going to make a lot of trades to try and put yourself over the top, like Guelph did. Uh, Prince Albert had to make some for sure, but Rouen Naranda didn't make many. I think they had four guys via trade. The rest are all homegrown. So that's good on that. Nice. Yeah, it's, and hey, Rouen Naranda was in. Uh, was in Red Deer when Red Deer hosted in 2016. Oh right, yeah. yeah. So they were they were QMJHL champions in 2016, and then after that, kind of go down a little bit, and then come right back up in 2019 as champs again. That says a lot about what they're doing there. They lead Guelph four three eight and a half minutes left in the third period. In studio with Cam Moon from the Red Deer Rebels play by play chair inside sports on six thirty chat. <laughs> This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in. Cam Moon is here. This texture says one guy that should have been considered as coach of the Oilers is Perry Pern. Another point is how much has been made of Hitch being from Edmonton and two Edmonton area players in the final. Well, actually three, two on St. Louis, uh, one on Boston. Uh, but we should publicize the St. Louis coaches from the Edmonton area. Well, Barubi's from Callahoo. Yes. And Cam Perry Pern perked up your ears there. Yeah, I played for Perry with the Nate Ukes in the 91-92 season. He was outstanding coach. Uh, How so? Very well prepared. Uh, he was ahead of the curve, too, when it came to being a tactician. Uh, so much of a, being a student of the game, but the way he... You know, developed power plays, penalty kills, you name it. It was it was cutting edge stuff that now you see all the time, but back then you didn't. And I thought Perry was yeah, he was unbelievable. One of the best one of the best coaches I played for. Can you stick around a little bit after the seven thirty news? For sure. We still have uh, a little bit more coming up. Jordan Blundell from the Edmonton Prospects, Greg Ellingson from the Edmonton Eskimos, by the way, Sir Vincent Rogers, offensive lineman, torn tricep out indefinitely, Ugh. likely long term, and the Oilers have indeed signed Joachim Nigard out of Sweden. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Don't forget about their brunch. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Buttermilk biscuits, sausage, gravy, smashed potatoes, Sundays 11 to 2. Visit NorthChickenYG.com. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. So we had a penalty shot in the Memorial Cup semifinal. Noah Dobson was hooked by Oilers prospect Dmitry Samarukov. Dobson unable to score, but Rowan Noranda continues to lead Guelph 5-3 now into the final 90 seconds of the third period. So the Huskies 
looking good to advance to the final against Halifax. Along with Cam Moon, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in, Cam. A special guest in studio tonight, the play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels. Edmonton Stingers into the second quarter at the Expo Centre against Guelph. The game is tied at 25. That's the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Padres lead the Blue Jays 6-3 in the top of the eighth. Cam, you got to... What happened? Guelph just oh, scored. Guelph scored, so they're within one. How much time left? A minute something. Okay. Exciting finish coming. Yeah. And uh, the winner gets Halifax on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. I still got to think about what day of the week it is because I was on holidays for, for two weeks. So You're on cruise control. The days were meaningless. That's right. <laughs> Goalie Doc has called in 780-496-0063. Goalie Doc, glad you're enjoying listening to Cam. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was going to ask Cam two questions. One, who was his favorite goalie growing up? And number two, if he had his choice of a present NHL goalie, uh, who would he take to game number seven in the Stanley Cup final? I'll listen for your answer. Um, I'm just going to hang up. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, right on. Thank you very much for the call. Oh, well, uh, favorite goalie growing up would be two of them. Mike Palmatier with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Grant Fuhr. I was a huge Grant Fuhr fan. I remember that first year when he came up, he would have been, well, 18 at the start of the year. Then he turned 19 right from the Victoria Cougars and just took the Edmonton Oilers by storm and had that amazing first season. So I was a absolute huge Grant Fuhr fan. And if I had to pick a guy for Game 7, I don't think I would look too far past Carey Price who was an amazing Western Hockey Leaguer with the Tri-City Americans and has been so good with the Montreal Canadiens. Although, I'll tell you, the Bennington kid in uh, St. Louis sure has been a lot of fun. I was, like, he's, he's like, what, so what a run. And I mean, I know goal, most goalies are known for being calm, and fewer had the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. whatever. Yeah. If you have Grant a 42-save shutout, yeah, guys worked hard, good game. <laughs> yeah. but, exactly. But Bennington, he's so calm... They beat Dallas Game 7 double overtime. Yeah. And, you know, they're showing all the highlights, so they, they show his highlight in the net. It looked like the period just ended. Oh, it was like nothing. It's like, oh, we won. Uh-huh. Nice, nice going. I'm a big fan of his. But then he really was losing his mind after that hand pass goal. I was, well, then I was almost surprised well, at how far he went the other way. He had a case. Know, he had a case. Yeah, he had a case. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, if I had to go with one, it'd be Carey Price. But this uh, Bennington, he's... He's growing on me, that's for sure. All right. Well, we only got to, got you for a couple more minutes. What? Uh, I know. I'm sorry. We're running out of time. Well, I promised other people that okay, yes, show yeah. too. Uh, Stanley Cup final. Yes. What do you think? My heart is with the St. Louis Blues. My head is with the Boston Bruins. If I was throwing money down, it'd be on the Bruins, I guess. But I want St. Louis to win. Yeah. I'm actually going to pick the Blues. You are. And just to be that... Uh, that idiot talk show host that makes a <laughs> really specific prediction yeah. and hopes that he's right. I'm going to take the Blues in seven, and I'm going to take them in Game 7 overtime. Wow. We're due for I'd a love Game to see 7 that. overtime yeah, that'd in be great. the Stanley Cup final. I've never seen it. It has happened, but I've never seen it. They could go back to those throwback jerseys wouldn't hurt <laughs> me either. Those are beautiful. I just... the I, I know Boston... And hey, at this point, they're both great, and they've had great runs. I, I know you still look at Boston, and you'd think that's just a better roster. That's just yes. that's just got more yeah. little more firepower. But the Blues, they got Bennington, and and they've almost become one one of those teams. And I'm not, I'm not saying Boston doesn't have depth, 
But the Blues, it's almost like, who's the hero tonight? Might be the guy who's been a healthy scratch and throws in. Like, they're just, they're just, they got something figured out there. And I want to hear the Gloria song and all that. <laughs> like, everything they have going is awesome. Like, I am, I am cheering for them. I don't think they're, they're going to win, but I'd be pleasantly surprised if they did. Uh, do you have a story about smashing a player's helmet during a fight in <laughs> Nippon? Somebody actually texted in about wow. this. Yeah, I do. Is this too embarrassing to tell? Well, it, it, it doesn't end well for me. Uh-oh. Do we have to, what do we got for time? Yeah, you can just do it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm playing with the Nippon Hawks in the SJ. Had a couple of, uh, a few Edmonton teammates. Some Maple Leaf Athletic Club guys, Corey Osmack and Dave Pudlubny, were with me there. That could be one of them texting. That might be. Uh, <laughs> and we got into a little bit of a dust up in Flin Flon, and I got punched in the face, and then smashed the helmet, started a five-on-five brawl. I got the snot beat out of me. I had fans climbing over the glass there to try and take a, a whack at me. I pulled the guy to the middle of the ice so I could just get beat up by one guy, and then I couldn't chew properly for two weeks. <laughs> it's terrible. It's all my own fault. <laughs> Empty net goal. Ruin Naranda with three seconds left. They're going to win 6-4, and they'll yeah. play for the Memorial Cup on Sunday. Cam, thank you for being in studio. Uh, you're, it's been, I mean, just personally, it's been awesome for me getting to know you as a broadcaster and as a friend thank you. over the last few years, and I always appreciate that you make time for us, and especially that you came in tonight. This was a blast. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Reed, and I'm a big fan of Chad, so thanks for having me on. Back with Jordan Blundell from the Edmonton Prospects. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chat Inside Sports. Well, the beauty of social media is that sometimes players, if they choose, can communicate directly with the fans. And Sir Vincent Rogers, offensive lineman for the Edmonton Eskimos, has decided to do that. He said, uh, yes, I tore my left triceps two days ago and had surgery this morning. Your love, prayers, and kind words are appreciated. Now, unfortunately, if it needs surgery, that's the worst kind of triceps tear you can have. This is likely going to be about a six-month recovery for Sir V. The Grey Cup is six months from today. So, unfortunately, we may not see the big man on the offensive line this season. The Edmonton Stingers leading Guelph 32-31 halfway through the second quarter at the Edmonton Expo Centre. That is the brand-new Canadian Elite Basketball League. Padres leading the Jays 6-3 in the top of the ninth. Tomorrow at 7, Remax Field, first game of the season for the Edmonton Prospects. They will take on Lethbridge, the prospects coached by Jordan Blundell. Jordan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me on tonight well it is awesome to have you on the show and great to be talking prospects baseball again this must be a, a fun night for you the season starts tomorrow uh, you're going to get to see how your how your team looks what's what's the the lead up been like uh this week uh, did you try to bring the guys together here and gel a little bit or how would you describe the past few days yeah exactly it's uh it's christmas eve in may that's uh, where we're at in the ter- in terms of schedule to relate it to another cool time of the year at Christmas time. Uh, tomorrow's Christmas, we get a goal, we get to put the jerseys on together, and then we get to do it as a group for the first time officially. Um, guys started rolling in uh, Sunday nights, and it's been uh, a trickling in uh, situation. Uh, three, four, five, six guys. You know, every other day. Um, so we're, we're getting there. We're, we'll be close to our full roster. We've we've got a couple guys that will, that will arrive in June. Um, so far, so good. Uh, the guys that have 
committed to us are here, and, and the guys that are on their way are still coming. So we're, we're going to be all right. We'll have, uh, we'll have a roster ready to go for tomorrow. All right. Well, and, and the the uh, Western Canadian Baseball League is it's interesting the the players that are putting together a team because uh, there can be a lot of changes from year to year and and no exception for the prospects this season. Tell me a little bit about putting this team together. Uh, you know about recruiting because you're up against some other you know great teams, great organizations in the league, and and uh, you guys have had success in the last two or three years, but but so have some other markets. So uh, there's people are going to see the competition on the field all summer but there must be a lot of competition to, to find guys and bring them to town over the over the winter months yeah exactly there's uh there's guys on rosters uh right now that that we were uh, in on that we had talked to and and um, you know i'm sure it's the same way that we've got a couple guys that maybe had talked to some other teams and and you're right it's it's 24/7. You're always recruiting. You're uh, you're up against everyone else. It's that's trying to do the research and working hard to, to get the best possible players to their organization. And, and you know that's what we do, or that's what our hard work is part of in the off season is uh, trying to do as much homework as we can, seek out as much information on on each player that we've become interested in, and and do as as much due diligence as possible and uh, get to the point where we feel comfortable to offer a contract and then at that point uh, you know we're hopeful that the player accepts and signs with us um, at the end of the day they do have some options so you're in, you're in a little recruiting wars a little free agency wars and uh, you know we feel good with the guys that we were uh, able to get signed for this year. Um, just looking at my, my whiteboard here, I think we've got four returning players, so there's quite a bit of turnover this year. Um, reason being, we had a, we had quite a few players age out. Uh, you, you only have a certain amount of time that you can play in this league, and we had a we had a, a eleven or twelve veteran players that were done at the end of last year, so. Uh, there was going to be some turnover, and, and you know what we did? We we contacted uh, some of the other players that that were here last year that that aren't here now, and um, you know it just ended up maybe it wasn't the right fit for them or, or for us. And uh, we're we're at where we're at today, and we have uh, a healthy roster, a, a bunch of guys ready to get after it. And, uh, you know, obviously looking forward to tomorrow and this weekend. Jordan Blundell, manager of the Edmonton Prospects, joining us on Inside Sports. And, yeah, if you want to check him out this weekend, 7 o'clock tomorrow, home opener against Lethbridge at REMAX Field. It's a 2 o'clock game on Sunday afternoon, prospectsbaseballclub.com to check out the entire schedule. Give me, uh, I mean, without taking me uh, too far behind the scenes, I guess, but, I mean, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a young man you're trying to bring to Edmonton to play for the summer, what are two or three highlights that you try to hit on in, in your recruiting pitch and i know it, it can go on a lot longer than what we're, what we're going to talk here but give me the bullet points yeah. you know for sure we talk about canada day and how special that is for our organization and, and uh the community of edmonton and, and what actually happens throughout that whole day um it's uh it's a special day in canada you know as much as canada day is special everywhere in canada you know we've got a really cool cool thing going on at Remax Field every every summer for Canada Day. So, you know, for sure that's something we talk about, the opportunity to play in front of that many fans. 
Uh, it's, it's kind of a big deal. Um, you know, and the facilities that uh, that we provide our guys, the clubhouse, you know, we've got uh, access to a weight room and all the things that they need uh, to continue to improve their game as they build towards, you know, next fall and the college season or pursuing, uh, you know, professional contracts. Uh, we feel like we can provide them that opportunity to be able to get done what they need here. And that's important for the guys. Um, and, and you know the, where we house the players is important. It's a it's a quality facility, um, that, so that they're comfortable. And, and you know, and then lastly, we talk about uh, you know, our intentions to uh, play good baseball day in day out, uh, to be competitive every day, uh, to to attract winning players here with with you know winning mindsets. You know, it's easy to say, you know, not everybody's going to win the league. You know, there's, there's going to be one team left at the end of the year. And, you know, frankly, that's something we talk to the players about. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to be that team. Um, it's, a, it's a long season in a short time frame. There's lots of ups and downs. Uh, we, we talk to the players about that. And, and, you know, just being able to be prepared and learning how to play this type of schedule and, and adapting to new things and new environments. So, uh, that, that's kind of what we cue on uh, as far as recruiting, and that's how we get going. Um, and we've been we've been fortunate so far with the, with the guys that we've uh, signed for this year. So, you know, like I said, man, it's it's exciting. Uh, the the week leading up to this has been great. Uh, we're looking forward to getting going. You know, it's you guys are guys are excited. And it's a bunch of new new faces, maybe some players that never been to Edmonton or Canada for that matter. And, you know what, uh, a common theme of what they've told me is when they drive into the city, how cool it is to see downtown. Uh, they've uh, they've come in, you know, come through the Sherwood Park area in the south, coming up, you know, Gateway from the airport. You know, both those drives in, you know, the indication is it's super cool to, to drive into the city, and, and I agree with them. <laughs> Jordan, that's great to hear. Uh, I know how enthusiastic you are. I, I wish you all the best uh, managing the team. And obviously, uh, you guys have had some great seasons and great playoff runs over the last two or three years. So all the best. Uh, we're going to talk, obviously, throughout the year. But all the best this weekend, man. Go get them against Lethbridge. Thank you very much, Reed. Appreciate it. That is tomorrow at 7 at Remax Field. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch, Northern Chicken-style buttermilk biscuits, sausage, gravy, smashed potatoes, Sundays, 11 till 2. Visit northchickenyeg.com. Heck, go get your brunch before the Eskimos game on Sunday. Kicks off at 2. Our coverage begins at 12.30 with the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Chad Morley and Dave will bring you all the action. Dave, talk to Eskimos receiver Greg Ellingson. The thing is that's nice about the preseason game is uh, we install so much for the first uh, days of practice and then um, you know when it comes to the first game you kind of draw back right they cut a lot of stuff so that everybody can uh, you know really go over what, what we have and make sure that we play really fast um, and, and we can hustle around and, and think less and, and uh, perform uh, and sh- show your physical abilities because that's what the preseason's for a lot, you know especially for a lot of the, the young guys that's their first year this is a chance to display not only for the team but uh, you know not everybody's going to make the team so you know you got to put the film out there for every other team too and hope that uh, something works out. Is uh, playing a preseason game a week after training camp opens a big challenge? I honestly feel like, I don't want to say it's a big challenge. I mean, it's still football. Yeah. We're out here practicing. We had pads on. You know, we're bumping, uh, making sure you're ready. And that's what you train all offseason for. Mm-hmm. You train all offseason so that uh, you can play football. And, you know, the faster it gets here, the more, you know, the more pumped up you get. And uh, this might be the fastest I've played a preseason game, I think, mm-hmm. um, in my career up here. But, um, you know, I'm excited to get out here and, uh, you know, the green and gold and uh, show what we can do. 
Tell me about Trevor Harrison. You've been around him for the last few years. Um, you've seen him in the huddle, heard him in the huddle, see him operate. What do you notice about Trevor with a whole new group? I mean, he knows you very well. He knows Sir Vincent Rogers very well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other personnel that he has never worked with. Uh, how do you think he's handling this? I mean, he's a, uh, he's a leader, right? Um, he's a great communicator. Um, that's something that, uh, I, I mean, Trevor's Trevor. Right? You're not going to see a big uh, difference in his uh, consistency, right? He's going to be this, the same guy all the time. Um, coming here from Ottawa, I don't, I don't see much of a difference, right? He's still preparing the same way. He's still communicating the same way. And he's, uh, just, he's trying to learn, the, you know, the different nuances of this offense. And uh, he's just trying to learn uh, how, how we communicate and how we move his receivers. But uh, other than that, you know, he's still Trevor. The one comment he made, I think he made it on medical day, is if we care for each other, that's going to make the process easier. Oh, absolutely. Um, you got to care about the lighters in the locker room. And, uh, you know, Moss and the other guys, uh, the coaches, they make sure that um, we're doing things uh, extra in camp to make sure that our, our team bonding is coming together. You know, we have little groups and teams that we're playing games with. You know, it makes it fun. And, uh mm-hmm. You know, camp's a grind, but uh, when the coaches uh, put that extra time to make, make it a little bit of, of fun, you know, it makes it exciting and it makes the guys come together a little bit more. When you can laugh and, uh, you know, have a little bit of fun in the meetings and outside of meetings and on the field, than if it's just a grind the whole camp. You mentioned Coach Moss. You know him very, very well. Uh, Jordan Maximic is now the offensive coordinator, and you know him uh, from your days in Ottawa, and he has really climbed the coaching ladder in, in the Canadian Football League. What's Jordan Maximic like as the offensive coordinator? He's, um, I'd say he's a guy that's just very detail-driven. Um, our meetings, uh, I think we're in there till you know, till the, the, the clock ticks uh, 9 o'clock every night, and uh, he keeps in there to last every second. Even if we have extra time, we're in there uh, going over, uh, reviewing field, uh, different plays and putting uh, guys on the board and, and testing them and making sure that they know what they're doing. Um, he's very intricate. Um, I think that's the one thing I can take from it, and it's, it's very helpful, especially for, you know, when you're learning new plays to, to go over the same thing, you know, again and again and kind of just repetitive where it's almost like, man, I already know this because we've gone over it eight times, but, you know, that's good, right? You, you go over it that many times, and then it's just ingrained in your brain, and you don't have to think anymore. You're just out there playing and uh, playing fast. Well, it's a preseason game, but it's still a game. What's going to be like to see that 82 <laughs> on that green and gold jersey on Sunday? A good thing is uh, I'm not going to be looking in the mirror, right? <laughs> Everybody else is going to see the 82 on the jersey and the green and gold, but uh, I'm still still me under the helmet, uh, still me under the pads and, and under the different colors. It's uh, still Greg Ellingson, I guess, you know, uh, playing football and, um, you know, learning the offense, learning my new teammates and just excited to, you know, to, to get back to football and, and playing again and uh, really having a chance to, you know, show what we have on, as an offense, um, the tempo we're going to have, uh, the, the, the playmakers we have, and uh, really get this thing rolling so that in the season, you know, we're starting off on the right foot. All right, you'll probably see him early in the game on Sunday, Ellingson, Harris, and some of the other big games, uh, big names for the green and gold as they take on BC. Kellen Kennedy, the pre- studio producer of Inside Sports, Dave Campbell's the producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.